what the altar what the altar is doing and how he's doing it and um, we the reason how we, we the reason why we take him as somewhat of an extreme approach is because the realization that we've come to is that excellence lies in the extremes. You, ne- you never really have a person that, that excels by chance. Because to create excellence, you have to find your natural talent. That's still not enough. And then you have to push yourself to the furthest extreme. Then you become excellent. Which is telling him in two ways. First of all, you can never become excellent in the area of talent, only in the area of natural talent. So it's pointless to try to develop the area where you're mediocre in. Rather, a person's goal and mission in life is to take the areas of his talents and push them to the furthest extreme. Any person in life will tell you that outside of the world of Torah. If a person is in a soccer team, so if he's a natural defender, they don't say work on yourself and become a striker. They say become the best defender possible. For example, striker, defender, striker, midfield. Midfield, they would never put you on the wing. Not far enough, they could. I don't think they could. Uh, apparently, they said you weren't fast enough. They said, even as a midfield, you're pretty, pretty effort. That's what they said. Darren. Ask the question about Jews who have talents in areas which are not areas which perhaps you would say they don't overlap with Torah values. No such thing. Sports. No such thing. Or, um, music. Or no such thing. No such thing. And I was told that there might be an idea out there that if a person has a talent, he should should use this talent as its main function. But this idea isn't necessarily correct. A person may have to develop other talents, and that may be his particular challenge in life, not to use the talent that is created as him. Disagree. And, and that um, if that talent is going to be, like let's say he's an amazing football player, but that's going to put him completely at odds with Torah values because of some sort of lifestyle. So he can try to use those particular talents that he has um, for a different sort of career where his life is going to be more meaningful because he can affect the lives of other people. Um, And that may be helping out children with diseases to run a sports camp or something like that. Fundamentally opposed. Me. I'm fundamentally opposed to disagree and argue on everything you've just said. Allow me to defend myself. There's a Gemara in Shabbos. The Gemara in Shabbos says the following thing. It says that a person that's born underneath the constellation known as Madim, whatever that is, Mars, whatever it means, it means a person that's born with a bloodthirsty nature, he can either be a murderer, Russia, he can be a Bainoini, or he can be a tzaddik a mohel. This is a principle which means people are born with natures. But a nature that a person has, which we would call a talent, can be expressed, every single talent a person has can be expressed in the level of rishus, in the level of, medio- of, in the level of normality, or in the level of spiritual endeavor. Every single talent. 
It's impossible that Kosh Baruch would create a person with a talent that he can't employ in his service. A running fast, fast runner. A fast runner, for example. Fast runner. How does it help? How does it help? Well, certainly it does help if you live far away from a shore and you have no car. But surely there can't be a mission in that. Okay, so let's go slowly, slowly. But that's the principle I would like to suggest. Now, that principle is crucial. Because the principle, and I'm going to say something um, rather controversial. I hope it's not, though. <laughs> and that is, there's a lot of movement in, in, on the left side of the Orthodox world in their relationship to homosexuality, whereby they say a person who's born a homosexuality, homosexual will remain that way and all you can do is accept him and encourage him. Don't try, as it were, to cure him. There are major opponents to this idea within the more established orthodox world who say that asserting that is bordering on heresy. And it's a continuation of the topic that we've been discussing as follows. You see from the Gomorrah Shabbos, a person born underneath the constellation of Madin can be a murderer, a shoichet, or a moel. Granted, a person born with a particular nature, according to the laws of natural human development, will not be able to change his nature. He will have to deal with it. But there's no such thing as a nature which is predisposed towards sin. Just like a person cannot claim, what can I do? I'm just a murderer by nature. Neither can a person claim, I'm gay. You're not gay. You may have feminine traits that may be your nature, but you can't say that the Creator made you whereby your being can only be satisfied by doing an Avera. That's heresy. That's saying that a person who's created bloodthirsty must be a murderer. He doesn't have to be a murderer. He can take the same koyach of bloodthirstiness and express it as a shoichet. He can express it even as a moil. So that means if it's true, and it's not always true because there are a variety of programs in America and around the world today which have isolated certain specific factors which are common to most cases of homosexuality. Meaning that there are certain, there are certain um, standard variables present in people that have a tendency towards being SSA, same-sex attraction, and for example, one of, one of the almost um, ubiquitous commonalities is the fact that people who have SSA had a um, latent passive or vacant father figure. And there's a certain amount of psychological cause and effect which can make a person tend in that direction. But let's assume that without taking out the socializing factors and the psychological factors, let's say there could be a person that's born with a nature that is attracted to men. It can't be possible that the Creator could do that. Because every nature that a person has, has a moment to express it. He can express it as a Rasha, as a Benoni, and as a Tzaddik. So then you'll argue and you'll say, so, <coughs> but this man is attracted to men, he's not attracted to women. So you say, that's because that, that ability is being misinterpreted in his being. Just like a person who's bloodthirsty and he becomes a murderer, he's taking his nature and he's given an expression which is out of the context of its proper framework. 
Okay? Now, what exactly would it be to express a person's homosexual tendencies as a Benoni and as a Tzaddik? That remains to be seen. But uh, knowing, the per- knowing people, I can certainly see how it could be done. But I'll give you a, a less complex example. The example you say, what happens if a person is a musician? So he's a, he's a highly talented musician. And now he comes and he, and he, and he's, he, he, he comes to our Navadika Musashir. And we say, becoming a musician outside of the base of Mikdash is not considered Avodah Hashem. How can I become a tzaddik being a musician? So luckily for me, I have a precedent. <laughs> it's not Elliot. I'm still dealing with him. The precedent I have is one of my one of my very formative teachers was his entire one of his major goals in life was to become a musician and then he invested himself and became uh, pursued a life in 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 the Torah world so one would have thought that he would have said I wanted to be a musician I couldn't because it was outside the realms of Torah so instead I became a rabbi but the way he says it is very different. He says what attracted him to music was, of course it was the sounds, but it was a much deeper thing. It was music is the marriage of mathematical logic with emotions. It's a rare combination of sound logic which has an emotive effect. Pure logic, pure logic. We know from Bach very structured and well thought out pre-planned highly highly demanding intellectually structures but at the same time this gush of emotions that it unleashes so he says for him that was that was that was the part of him that was musical so when you get involved in the world of Torah he was attracted to Musa because Musa is a strict analysis employing the entire mental faculties which when you do it right unleashes this huge storm of emotions so he taught me a lesson that my guitar teacher taught me in our very first guitar lesson and he said there's no such thing as a guitar the music comes from within not through the instrument so a person can be musically talented and never pick up a music musical instrument and it's true of every talent in life. All you have to do is you have to find when a person's a fast runner, a average midfielder, below average. I, I said that wouldn't be relevant. <coughs> a person that's not you, someone who's an excellent midfielder. And a person's a racing car driver. So even though those are his talents, but that talent, if it's a real talent, has a place to be in Torah. It has a place. But what you have to do is you have to see what the lambdas is behind it. There's a lambdas behind it. Bruce Fordyce is a famous long-distance runner. He won the Comrades Marathon, which is 96 kilometers. How many times? Seven, eight times, which is pretty impressive. Pretty competing against the finest athletes in the world to win that. But I don't know if the finest were there. I think he was doing apartheid like that. Oh, yeah. shut up. <laughs> I'm just thinking. <laughs> You've got no respect for Bruce. Bruce Fordyce. No, I mean, absolutely. But you see, you see, you see top athletes, top athletes, they also, they, there's also no guitar. 
the, the top athletes, their, their greatness is not in their physical bodies. It's in how they use their beings to succeed in the game. The better, the, the higher the athlete gets in his, in his level of, comp- of competition, the less it's about his body. You can have a thousand people that have got the same body structure as him. Of course, he has to have the body structure, but it's not the body that does it. It's the mind. So it's a much more sophisticated. Now, once you say that, so the great, the guy who's a, who's a brilliant soccer captain, it's not necessarily because he's got good ball skills. It's because he has a fantastic understanding intuitively of strategy. Now, the minute you go to the world of strategy, so then it, has to, it doesn't have to be left on the soccer field. It can be used in a much, much more sophisticated way. In other words, a, a strategist, a soccer captain, may be a brilliant teacher. Because essentially when you're teaching a class, you have to, you're playing a game and you have to know where, where each one's position and how to play them. And who's going to take the next pass. And who you have to say the next slightly witty comment to. And who you have to call on because he's dozing off. It's all part of the state. It's just all part of that. Yes. That's still mental. So what I'm suggesting is there's no such thing as a physical talent. There's no such thing. You can always you can always abstract what the talent is. <laughs> the only people who have purely physical talents are animals. <laughs> Men are above it. Men are above it. Even the gro- even a boxer. The, find the grobbest person, a weightlifter. Ultimately, you speak to any great athlete, and they'll say to you, "It's in the mind. It's not in the body." Even even the lowest of low of all sports, racing car drivers. The kind of things that generally grow out of, like when you turn like nine, then you grow out of it. Some people hang on to the habits. I'm not saying Formula One, but generally, like you know, that when you're when you're a kid, you have a Formula One car, and you play, and then you and you grow up and you go. Back. But there's some people that keep on. They're fascinated by it. They call it a sport, and they spend time watching it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, wow! Look at these cars going around in a circle. This is really amazing. Wow, that one's going really fast. And so is that one. <laughs> I mean, it's not as absurd as 22 grown men dressed in funny clothing chasing a piece of inflated leather around a very big piece of field. But I'm saying it's, it's almost, it's almost absurd. At least, at least, yeah, you know, at least if one of the entire kind of makes like sometimes pretty, then he just dies. I mean, that's serious nefesh. Wow, what a way to go. <laughs> I was driving a car very fast around a little a square, a little circular track, and then, then it went out of control, and then, then he died. Wow, what a fantastic use of a life. Well, thank you for watching. <laughs> they're waiting, they're waiting for the moment. Oh, if I today someone should die. That's amazing. That's so that's so, so encouraging. Uh, yes, Darren. So um, this might be a little bit of an aside, but it follows on what we just discussed. That you're saying that talent is really the underlying thing. That's that right. The talent always abstract. But now, fine. So if so, a Jew should express that talent as it would think. Can I give you one more example before we go on? I didn't. I've got about this example. Before I became from, if there was ever such a time, two days. But before I became from, and the reason why I say that is because I think I was from from birth. My family wasn't. I was just born from from birth. But before I became from, the way I defined myself categorically was as an artist. Categorically, I was. They were, they, they, people looked at me as he's the artist. I dressed funny. I was a little awkward. I was. I was out of the box. Uh, hey. A mullet. I was a mullet. And um, as, as, a, as a result, I define myself very strongly. I would spend my spare time drawing and most, mostly drawing, not so much painting. That, that's how I define myself. Now, 
in the last uh, 20, 23 years, I've, I have drawn and painted from time to time, but certainly not where I'm putting my energies. Now, if you say to me, Siegel, do you find yourself creatively deprived? I would say to you, no, on the contrary. I'm more creatively fulfilled than I ever, ever, ever was or could ever imagine it being. And you'll say to me, why? You don't draw paint. So I'll say to you, well, first of all, drawing and painting, what I was trying to do was I was trying to give expression. Okay, there's a lot of things that I was trying to do, but just I'll take one of them. What I was trying to do is I was trying to move something in the reality around me onto a different surface and present it in a way that people could see something that perhaps they would have missed if they would have just looked at it directly. It's one of the, one of the ways of art. Now, doing that in terms of a, of a Torah context is way more exciting because you're dealing with a reality which is meaningful as opposed to just being bland. And the, meaning, the, the, the world is, is, let's say, the Torah and then you have to carve it painted in such a way that someone else gets a completely different perspective. That's way more exciting. You're asking about accountants. Uh, yeah, listen, right. accountants, accountants are a stamp. What do you want from accountants? You could have turned out to be the world's greatest artist. Very, very slim chance. <laughs> yeah. You could have advanced Art, yes. Right? Yes. But since you're now expressing that talent yes. within the world of Torah, yes. so now the world is, has perhaps been deprived Let's of advancement say. in art. That's so not do right. We, so do we leave that advancement of art and academia and sports and all these other things to the non-Jews and we have to express our talents within the realm of Torah? Yes. And if so, and, and if that had been the case for every Jew with a talent, I'd say the world would not be where it was today. Be much better, wouldn't it? No. If Einstein would have learned Gemara, imagine what Hidushim would have. Isn't it? Isn't it a pity that that Einstein wasted? Wouldn't be where it was. Right? I'm worried about science. Who cares about science? Who cares about science? Science would wouldn't it? Who who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, most scientific discoveries seem to be pretty random. Pretty random. In fact. If you read the fascinating book on Einstein and how he came up with, or it's really called The Biography of an Equation, you see, E equals MC squared. It's a fascinating book. But in that book, and as a non Jewish writer, he kind of he puts across why he felt Einstein came to the conclusion he did, as opposed to his friends who were super geniuses. There's a guy called Poincare who's like, IQ is way off the charts. You know about him? <laughs> he's way off the charts. And this person, who's a, a non Jewish writer, he says, the reason why he feels Einstein was able to come up with his theory of relativity was because he, and these are the words he says, Einstein was brought up in a Jewish family where there was a long tradition of questioning. So when Einstein was bothered by how magnets attracted one another, so his parents wouldn't have said, don't ask stupid questions, they would say, that's a great question, let's explore the reasoning, firstly. Secondly, he was brought up with faith, which meant that when you asked a question, he believed there was an answer there, he just had to go into it deeply enough. So that's an aside, but imagine that if he could have done that in Torah and exposed the wellsprings of Torah to the world and he wasted it on science. So let's say there could have been two possible possibilities. There would be no nuclear power or there would. Someone else would have discovered it. Yes? And Hiroshima. 
one second, one second. We know one second, one second. We have to think about it, and we have to think what our mission is as Jews, and what the Creator does with the world. Is our mission as Jews to bring Torah into the world, or is our mission as Jews to make the world a better place physically? Or we have to make the better the world a better place spiritually, or we have to make the world a better place physically? I think it's quite obvious the former because HaKadosh Baruch Hu said Ve'atem tiyuli mamleches koyanim v'goy kadosh Am sugula You are my people Bereshis bishvil Yisrael shnikereshis The role of the Jew in the world is to go above and beyond the laws of nature to perform a purely spiritual life and that's where he put his efforts and that's where his lot in life lies and any deviation from that in the slightest way is a loss of potential and the deprivation in the deeper sense of the world being a better place. Where's the pasuk from there? Hmm? That pasuk the pasuk from there? It's the pasuk which is the build-up to the giving of the Torah. It says, Yisrael, You will be for me a nation of princes and a priestly nation. And then the, the other pasuk is, uh, I've forgotten where the pasuk is. Even though, even though the the discovery of nuclear power affected the life, affected, let's say it did affect positively, even though it could also be disastrous, it could affect positively the lives of millions of people. Um, whereas those potential kedusha and Torah that never happened would have affected only. The entire Jews, the Jewish world. Not true. The entire universe. The entire universe. Every new word of Torah radically changes the structure of the universe from a spiritual perspective. When you learn Torah, it's not that you're learning Torah. You're quite literally keeping the world going. So there could be no greater contribution to the world than being Mechadish Achidish Torah. How could you do more than that? How could you possibly do more than that? You can't do more than making it happen. In other words, what's better? It's hard to argue what I'm saying. It's also hard to accept that that... It's hard, not hard to accept. It's hard to feel. It's hard to feel. It's not hard to accept. Intellectually, you can realize that. Intellectually, you see the nature of Jewish history. What we have, which is unique to us, granted, there have been successful Jewish scientists, artists, musicians, but what the Jewish people has given the world is not art. They've been better artists than the Jewish artists. It's not music. They've been better, better musicians. What the Jewish people has contributed to the world is Torah. That's what we've given to the world. We've given them a system of morality. We've given them the notion of monotheism. We've given them excellence of character. Who cares? There's not, there's not better non-Jewish everythings than there are Jewish. Why do we need second place? Let's be the best at what we can do. Just like a person has to take his in talents and become excellent at it, we as a people have to take our talent. And our talent lies in the realm of spirituality. That's where we excel. That's where our potential lies. Why would we throw it down the river? Sell it down the sea? Dig it down the sand? Throw it up in the air? Put it underneath a tree? But do you not think, I mean, everything Cast it into the wastebasket. Do you not think... Trample upon it with a big boot. Why? Do you not think that, even though what you're saying is like, oh, I accept it 100% and I would like to aspire to doing, doing, doing it. Let's see how the cop-out go on. No, no, no I, I'm not fucking <laughs> up. I'm, I'm not fucking up. 
Um, but I'm saying, do you not think that, there are, that, that there, isn't there a principle that not everyone in Klal Yisrael amongst the Klal should be Talmudei Chachamim and they should rather be Balabatim and they should... No. Uh, is there no such principle like that? No. But, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what you're trying to say is, but what do you mean, Rabbi? In the time of Israel, there was Yisachar and Zvulon. Yisachar would sit in their turn, and Zvulon would go out to the seas and make money. In the time of the, of the 12 tribes, there was one tribe, Shevet Levi, that devoted themselves wholeheartedly to spiritual pursuits. Yet the other tribes did both. So therefore, Rabbi, what do you mean that the old Jewish people have to be focused only on spiritual pursuits? So, so there's two answers to that question. The first answer is, Yes, but that's not the ideal, even though that's not the ideal. And the second answer is, it could be that if you're using the physical world to display a whole variety of different spiritual aspects, that's also amazing. Meaning, if you can go into the world as a banker, and through your mastery of spirituality, of the laws of Torah, you're able to demonstrate a spiritual grandeur in your bankish kite, I'll give you an example. There's a person, very talented, um, high in upper management of a company in Brazil. May have told you the story before. And there was a suspicion of fraud in the company. So they, 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 they tape recorded, back in the days when there was tapes and recorders, they tape recorded all these telephone conversations for weeks. And they had to listen to them to see if he was involved in the conspiracy. And they listened to these conversations for weeks, hours and hours and hours of conversations. And afterwards, they were simply dumbfounded. They said in the hours, tens and hundreds of hours of conversation, they never heard him say a derogatory word about another person. Now that's called finding the spirituality in the area of business. But then again, then your purpose has to be very clearly defined. It's not that I'm a CEO's from. I'm using my CEO kite to be Megala, reveal the quote Shemaim in the world. And that's a tough thing to, 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 to do. Because once you get up there, my precious comes along and seduces you into saying, yeah, but you understand, of course I'm, of course I'm revealing Hashem's life. Uh, so why aren't you doubting Mincha? No, no, you don't understand. The business is... Uh, and then, by Nathan, supporting Kodah. Told you the story about how the ultimate the ultimate Nevadic, huh? Didn't we speak yesterday about the ultimate Nevadic when he went to the rich man and the rich man gave him a fortune and when Rebbe Atlas went there? Huh? Oh. No, 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 no. No, different story, different story. Oh, different, this is Alton Vardic. The Atlas goes up to this rich man who used to give both him and Alton Vardic donations. He used to give the Atlas a very small donation and Alton Vardic used to give him a huge donation. He says, tell me, he says, how come you give him such a big donation, me such a small donation? He says, it's quite simple. He says, when the altar comes to visit me, he doesn't knock on the door. You know, like, wait to be answered, come in. He throws open the door, he tramples into my house, he plumps himself onto the couch and he starts to give me Musa. He says, this is going to get you to Olam Haba. He says, how many hours did you learn today? What are you doing with your life? So when I'm with him, I feel how precious Olam Haba is, how precious Torah is, how money is worth nothing. So I think, this money is worth nothing. I'm going to give it all to him because he's got Torah. <laughs> he says, when you come to collect from me, you knock on the door, you say, good morning. 
you treat me with such dignity and respect. And I know it's not because I'm a big time Chacham, it's because of my money. So I feel how important money is. I'm not letting go of it. It's a whole new Mahalik in fundraising. <laughs> Let's try it. And how far we go. But Okay, good. So that's you with me there, you hear. I'm, again, I'm, I'm saying that, that I agree with you that there's a um, a jump in terms of experience. In terms of experience, you say to a guy who's a great footballer and you say, do you know what? I can see your talent. He says, what do you mean? I'm a great footballer. You say, no, you're not a great footballer. What you are is you're the best campus rabbi I've ever seen. You just haven't discovered that part of yourself. He says, what do you mean? I'm a footballer. He says, no, a footballer He's a team worker. He knows how to get everyone working in the right direction to reach a common goal. Get it? The world goal? Yeah, goal. So, uh, but it's hard to feel. It's hard to feel. It requires, do you know what it requires? If you think about the, the murderer, so it's easy to be a murderer when you're bloodthirsty. It's a little bit harder to take that and to be a shoichet. It's so much harder to take that to be a moyel because you have to take that same grob payach and you have to refine it and refine it and refine it and refine it until it loses its physical element and it becomes spiritual. That's really what you're trying to do. That's what we're trying to do with ourselves. We're trying to take our talents and refine them and craft them and sculpt them until they're beautiful and pristine. Yes. Back to the Formula One drivers. That's okay. We. If we have unique talents that we'll t- talent for talents, we have to identify that. Imperative. If you don't, do you know what Reb Chaim said? And I remember Ravol be saying this repeatedly in Shmuzin. He said, Chaim Velazhina, the Mogazokt. Chaim Velazhina once said, Oiba mensch weiß nicht sein Midas Reis. A person doesn't know his bad Midas. Is das Takesh Ver. <laughs> it's really bad. Ober! But. Oi vavoi! Oiba mens vez nizain gute midas! But woe and woe for a man doesn't know his good midas. Because your bad midas are the obstructions to you reaching your potential. So if you, if you don't know them, so then it's hard. But if you don't know good midas, there's no one there. There's no one present. How do you identify them? Do you want me to tell you? <laughs> it's not so easy. You can go to a person who does horoscopes. Uh, <laughs> hey, Shok. You look at your life. Yeah. You're right, you're right, you're right. You look at your life, and your life gives you arrows pointing in the direction of where your potentials are. In the experience, the truth is, sometimes you, uh, you discover things about yourself in the course of life that you never knew existed. In other words, any person that's been around, you see as you go further in life and you put into different situations, you, you see things that you never would have seen otherwise. So the truth is, you have to have a wide range of experiences. The reason why in any degree the initial training is always very broadly based is because no one's quite sure where their talents will, 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 will be discovered. So in your early stages of life, you have to have the most, the widest possible range of experiences so that you can figure out where you are. That's why people go traveling. So basically, you have to go to India. India. You have to, you have to, you have to, you have to, you have to embrace life, and you have to be have an awareness of how do I react in those situations? Do I find a kirk in me that was new? Is there something new I discovered about myself? 
and then you have to challenge yourself and you have to challenge yourself in a variety of different areas until you're able to locate where your areas of talent lie and in the course of time you see that people always not always people gravitate to the areas of their talent and, 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 and you govern and it requires Siyat Yishmaya the Siyat Yishmaya is the Akash Baruch who puts in your path the things that will reveal to you your talents and that's why you have to pray but we have a promise if your intention is good, HaKadosh Baruch will give you that divine assistance to get there. You just have to be a Baal Taher. You have to have the intention that you want to get there. Taher. Taher means purify. It's like refining. So you want to take your kirkas and refine them, the ABC will give you the facilities to do so. Yes? And that's really something which is so crucial and, and vital to our observance of Torah. As long as our talents aren't expressed in Torah, our relationship to Torah will be, like we said previously, Torah is a thief. As long as I find myself, and this is even a deeper problem of the model that you are suggesting, as long as I find my essential expression outside of the realm of Torah, Torah will always be taken away from my life. The minute I'm able to find my expression with Torah, so then I'll push Torah to the nth degree because it is my life. It's a very deep, deep, deep problem. If I find that my talents lie outside of Torah, so then it's always this conflict between the Torah and me, and the Torah and me. And you can never, you can never reach a level of mysterious nefesh, which is the starting point of Torah, not the end point. But the minute you find yourself in Torah, so then of course you'll give yourself up for it. Because you get by giving. You don't lose by giving. But if your talents are outside of Torah, so then by giving to the Torah, you lose out yourself. So you'll always be in mortal conflict and you will ultimately never be able to reach excellence in Torah. You have to find your talent in Torah. I agree with you, it's an extreme, it's a hard ask. But, but on the other hand, it's the promise of true fulfillment, happiness and eternal life. You know, it's quite a big bargaining chip. Eternity, long time. As long as it would take. <coughs> if a feather landed upon Mount Everest once every thousand years to wear away the mountain. No. Not bad. Okay, Rabbi Sai, we didn't get onto the altar. So Mir Tashem.